back once again welcome to the show this is the adf underground brought to you by all day football what's up y'all i'm your host chris they call me chouse week 11 is nearly in the books there weren't too many contests on the slate that we were overly excited about fantasy football implication was probably the priority this week over the games that were were taking place um however we did catch some good ones i mean there were some big blowouts some upsets but i mean this is what we get it week in week out right but the the games the scores were pretty large but i mean before we hop into that i really wanted to take a few minutes to discuss this colin kaepernick workout thing that happened on saturday so you know my opinion on the matter was Back when he was kneeling and doing all that protesting uh, with the San Francisco 49ers, it wasn't that I was upset with what he was doing based on what he was saying he was doing it for. I mean, we're all you go and find somebody who doesn't want equality with mankind. I mean, this is the point. If we want equality, we want injustice to be gone. I get it. And I'm supportive of that. However, my issue has always been the entitlement factor of how it went down. So the fact that Colin Kaepernick received a private workout from the NFL, I it, to me it was a non-story from day one. I mean, we all know what Colin Kaepernick is. Everyone wanted to change the narrative to say that the NFL doesn't believe he can play or whatnot, you know, that he's being blackballed. I mean, if that's your opinion, I understand it. I may not agree, but I mean, this is this is the way it is. We're all entitled to our opinions. But when it comes to this workout, so when it was booked, I thought, okay, fine. You know what? When do we see an NFL veteran who hasn't played in the NFL for many years, Colin Kaepernick in this case hasn't played in three years, and he's getting a private workout led by the NFL in uh, Atlanta, uh, the Atlanta Falcons Stadium in Mercedes-Benz Stadium? We have never seen this happen before. So right away, I'm saying, what what makes Colin Kaepernick deserve that right? I mean, Des Bryant has been still sitting on his couch. He doesn't get these workouts. He's privately working out, uh, videotaping himself, and going to send it to the teams and hope to get a chance for a playoff run. So beside the point, I wanted to articulate an opinion on this matter, and I couldn't really find the words to not offend anybody if I would based on my opinion. So last night, uh, Stephen A. Smith, the ESPN uh, uh, reporter, uh, insider, whatever you want to call him, he had a great tweet on Twitter. And if you missed it, he basically said everything that is truth in my opinion as well. Colin Kaepernick has no interest in playing football anymore based on how he handled the workout situation. So he was supposed to, I, I don't want to get the times wrong, but he, but it was uh, three hours before he was supposed to work out. He changed the venue, changed the media, changed his own uh, videographers, and changed who was going to run the show. So they claimed, his camp claimed that it was about transparency. He didn't want to sign a waiver form as well that the NFL required him to sign by doing this uh, workout in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. He didn't want any part of that as well. So, I mean, when you look at it, this 
to me, I couldn't understand where he was going with the comment of saying we want it to be transparent. How does that give you more transparency because you changed the venue? The NFL simply was covering their back. If you get injured, they're just doing what their due diligence, what a what a business would do. I mean, if we're business owners and we're holding a side event, we're going to make uh, people sign liability waivers just so that we're covering our back. I didn't see a problem with that one either. But even with the even with that, I mean, Stephen A. Smith said it right. I mean, the media was there. He didn't want to really talk to the media. He just had his own statement, and he didn't handle it very well. So if this was a job interview for you to come back to form, it was handled poorly. And if if you are a business owner, let's not kid ourselves. We would we would frown upon it. Uh, don't don't get it twisted. I mean, this is the situation. So. Do I believe Colin Kaepernick deserves another shot in the league? I mean, I'm at the point of saying no. I, we know what he is. I mean, we he was benched for Blaine Gabbert back in San Francisco. He was his his play was diminishing. I mean, it wasn't great. So I mean, would another place give him a an opportunity to succeed again? He's 32 years old. What else is there to see? And with the argument saying that he could be better than half the backup quarterbacks in the NFL, perhaps, but. This is part of the evaluation process. These teams want to see what they actually have with these backup quarterbacks when they get the opportunity. We know what Colin Kaepernick can do on this field. So I digress. I just wanted to to say a couple things about the about the situation. But I mean, Stephen A. Smith, go back on Twitter and see his uh, his comments on it. I think I can fit pretty well into those comments as well. It was it was pretty much on point in my opinion. So. Regardless, needless to say, let's move right ahead to the to the week uh, eleven contests on the on the board here. So the bye weeks this week we had the Green Bay Packers, the New York Giants, Seattle Seahawks, and the Tennessee Titans all not playing this week, and it all started on Thursday night football between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cleveland Browns. So this contest I was intrigued upon because of how well the Pittsburgh Steelers defense has been playing. I really truly believed, I mean, it wasn't a one-hit wonder. Since uh, Mika Fitzpatrick was traded to the club, this defense has elevated their play to high standards, making them an up-and-comer to almost being a potentially elite unit because of how they were playing. I really, really expected the Steelers to come out and lay a smackdown on Baker Mayfield, and that really didn't happen. I mean, if you want to force blame, I mean, Mason Rudolph was horrible. He threw four interceptions in that contest. The turnovers were everywhere. He couldn't find his receivers. The receivers were dropping the balls when he did find them. I mean, it was just a a poor showing on their part offensively, so what could you really expect the defense to do? However, the defense didn't start the game well, and they finished even worse. So the Browns did win this contest 21-7. Baker Mayfield found uh, Jarvis Landry once in the end zone and his tight end, his rookie tight end Carlson in the end zone. I mean, but outside of that, it wasn't overly spectacular from the Browns either. They did clean up a lot of things that we wanted to see, but still, they are not firing on all cylinders. Odell Beckham Jr. looked lost in chemistry with uh, Baker Mayfield. They they just are not on the same page, and it's been this way the entire season. So, I mean, everything, I mean, the Browns win, they climb back to 4-6, and six, but this contest was 
completely the the narrative switched completely at the end of the contest and that's what dominated the headlines is when Miles Garrett lost his mind and slammed Mason Rudolph's helmet onto his own head. Um we all saw the highlights. We all know what happened. So I won't go into it too much other than there was an instigator in this. Garrett Mason Rudolph was the clear instigator. Uh, Miles Garrett was the retaliator. I mean, he went way over and beyond of what anybody should ever do. It was a horrible scene. And then you had Pouncey and company coming in to Rudolph's defense. So, I mean, I think the league hit it right with the suspensions outside of not giving Mason Rudolph anything. I mean, if you're the instigator, you ha- you need to get something as well. I didn't like that. I mean, they all got fines. I get it. But... I mean, seeing Garrett lost for the season is is a huge blow for the Browns. Um, you're talking the best player this defense has. It's going to be a gaping hole for them to overcome. Huge mistake. I mean, but when you look back at what Garrett's been doing all season, even from last season, he, he is one of these players that is almost reminiscent of a young Indomitian Sioux, always causing problems you know, taking the line a little bit too far. And in this case, it was it was way far over the line. So, I mean, I don't want to spend any more time on that one. The Browns win. They look okay, not great. But, I mean, the Steelers, I mean, I don't know what, you, what else you can say. I mean, the defense is going to have to carry this club. Mason Rudolph looked terrible. I still have belief in the young man. I think he's got skills and talent, but... From what we saw in that contest, he was completely lost, and and maybe it was just playing on Thursday night and lack of preparation. So we'll see what comes for next week. But that game, that game basically ended with everything being said about Miles Garrett and what he had done. So we'll move right along. Let's jump to Sunday and the Houston Texans and the Baltimore Ravens. I was extremely curious about this contest because if you've listened to the show, it's not that I don't believe in the Baltimore Ravens, but I want to see just a little bit more against greater competition and seeing that the Texans are greater competition for them. This is another good contest to show what the Ravens really are. And I can't say anything poorly on the Ravens anymore whatsoever. Lamar Jackson is on fire. He is a legitimate superstar He can do it all. He is firing on all cylinders. The pass game, the run game, he is doing everything that's expected of him and more. The offensive line is blocking to perfection. Mark Ingram is the greatest supportive piece. And then when Lamar needs to find his weapons down the field, he's finding them. So I think the game plan is even better and more conducive to their their potential Super Bowl trophy this season, it could be coming because of the way they're playing. They're very difficult to defend. You cannot stack the box to stop the run because he will burn you through the air like he did with his tight ends, with his receivers today. And I mean, the defense is starting to come to play again too. The last few weeks, we have seen the Ravens defense elevate their game and they had Deshaun Watson running for his life. Deshaun Watson was sacked six times today. There was literally no room, no time for him to dissect any play. It was very difficult for him. Outside of the Carlos Hyde long 41-yard touchdown scamper, 
that was pretty much it for the the Texans today. And that run from Hyde came very late. But when you see Lamar Jackson on this field, I mean, Michael Vick, I saw some comments from him. He said that Lamar Jackson is a spitting image of what Michael Vick was. And I can't argue. And he might even be even better. I mean, Michael Vick had his struggles in the past game. And I mean, Lamar does too. But today, I mean, the Texans secondary is weak. Let's not kid ourselves. And Lamar Jackson was just uber efficient. He was 17-24, 222 yards and four touchdown passes, added nine carries for 86 yards. I mean, how can you defend that from the quarterback position? He's just doing everything right. He is extremely difficult to defend and to game plan against. And even if he does take a sidestep on a few series, He's handing the ball off to Mark Ingram and Gus Edwards. These guys were just running all over the place today. So what can you say? The Ravens, they look like the best team in the NFL at the moment. They are doing incredible things. They are 8-2 and two in this division in the AFC North. And everything is lining up, barring any health, health issues down, down the road. The defense is firing. The offense is firing. Lamar Jackson is legitimately in the MVP race. You can't get that twisted anymore. He's doing everything what's asked of him and then some. So Ravens, I'm 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 fully on board now. I'm not gonna naysay anything, even if they do stumble from for a couple games left in this season. They are legitimate. Super Bowl contenders in the AFC. I mean, we have to say it. They are fantastic. They are built perfectly to beat the Patriots. They can keep up with the the Kansas City Chiefs offense. So, I mean, we'll see. But I like what I'm seeing from the Ravens, that's for sure. So moving right along, next contest on the board, we have the Atlanta Falcons traveling to the Carolina Panthers. So this spread closed at I believe five and a half or four and a half points I can't remember however I took the under I took the I took the Falcons to not allow the Panthers to cover this spread even though I did believe that the Panthers might win I just didn't see a touchdown being covered and this is the thing Vegas continues to bait the betting public into these spreads against the Falcons but we all have to realize that Atlanta's offense still can move the ball. That hasn't been the issue. The issue has been the play of this defense. So let's jump right into that. And over the last two weeks, when they beat the Saints last week and now the, the Falcons beat the Panthers this week, the defense has come to play. I don't understand where this defense has been the entire season. Why haven't you been this dominant from day one, uh, if if I'm Coach Dan Quinn, I'm kind of pissed off because this is what you expected this defense to be. They are continuing to blitz. They're using their schemes appropriately versus the opposition. I mean, Kyle Allen, yes, he did throw the ball for over 300 yards today, but he threw four interceptions himself today. He was struggling immensely with this pressure. He, it was in his face all day, in his grill. But, I mean, he couldn't get the ball moving outside of Christian McCaffrey. DJ Moore's stats look inflated, but, I mean, that was a lot in garbage time as well. Christian McCaffrey's stats are inflated because of garbage time. He had 11 receptions, 121 yards. He also added 70 yards on the ground. But Kyle Allen threw the ball 50 times today. 5-0. 
That is way too much for Kyle Allen at this point. He he does not have the ability proven to throw the ball 50 times in a contest. And I mean, you were you were down 20 to nothing at halftime. I get it. You needed to come back and find a way to 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 score points, so you were going to throw the ball a lot more. But I mean, this whole game, you can tell the Atlanta Falcons have turned a corner when it comes to their defense. And I just I'm, I'm I'm flabbergasted to understand why now. What is the reason now? It's like the expectation was high during the season, beginning of the season that you were supposed to be something of a contender in the NFC, and now the pressure's gone and you decide to play. I'm very confused with this, but I mean they looked good, and this is what I expected from the Falcons from jump from day one, and it just hasn't happened. But. The Carolina Panthers, this is a big sidestep. Now they drop to 5-5. Five and five. No Cam Newton, of course. He's sent to injured reserve. But, I mean, Christian McCaffrey's still your guy. The defense is still okay. It's not great. But, I mean, when your quarterback is turning the ball over four times today, I mean, you can't expect your defense to bail you out every time. Kyle Allen was also sacked five times. So, I mean, it just shows. Look what this defense was doing. They were causing problems. Some of the interceptions were tipped. I understand that. But, I mean, that also comes from great defensive play. You're forcing the issue, and you're going to get those tips. So a lot of credit to the Atlanta Falcons over the past two weeks. They're showing what they should have been. And, I mean, it's it's definitely way too late for them to make a comeback. I mean, they're 3-7. and seven. Don't necessarily see a team getting a wild card in the NFC at 9-7 and seven if they run the table. So, It'll be interesting to see, but I mean, for fantasy football-wise, the Falcons still are, are doing you favors, and the Panthers, outside of McCaffrey and DJ Moore today, it wasn't really spectacular, but let's move along. Next contest, the Dallas Cowboys and the Detroit Lions. So this is, it was an interesting stat I saw when this game began. It was the Dallas Cowboys' struggles when they play teams on the road outside of the NFC East. It was absolutely astonishing how poor their statistics, how sport, how poor their record is. And again, it started out that way when this game began. The Lions jumped out very fast today. And I mean, you were thinking, was it possible that Jeff Driscoll was going to lead an upset against the Dallas Cowboys? I was sweating early, won't lie. I took the Cowboys on the line. They were favored by a touchdown. I took it, or I believe when I took it, it was still at three points, but I was still sweating early. I didn't like how they were playing. The, the good thing about the Lions, it was actually quite interesting. So they signed Bo Scarborough off of their practice squad, former Alabama running back. I really like this cat a lot. You know, I couldn't get why he wasn't on an active roster. Sure, his skill set is limited. He's a bruiser. He's like a LeGarrette Blunt. He's got bricks for hands, but he is a sound running back that can make things happen. And he was burning the Cowboys defense early until they adjusted. And it it opened things up for Driscoll. I mean, he wasn't horrible either. He actually was pretty efficient. He was 200 yards and two touchdowns today. I mean, his completion percentage was a little bit low. I'm still confused with why they're not throwing the ball to Kenny Galladay at all. Marvin Jones was again your guy, which was one of our sit misses this week. I mean, we'll admit his game wasn't overly abundant, but I mean, he did find the end zone twice. But I don't understand. You have, I get it. You have a young quarterback who you may not necessarily trust, 
But don't you want to see what the man can do? I don't understand the babying aspect of the play calling. Kenny Galladay only got one catch today, and this is going to be the problem for all owners, fantasy football owners of Kenny Galladay. I am one. I'm feeling the frustration. I mean, he only catches one for 34 today. Huge problem. And and hearing that Matthew Stafford could be out for the next six weeks, I mean, this could be a major issue going into the fantasy football playoffs. Something to keep your eye on if you own those players. But let's move to the Dallas Cowboys. More impressed I couldn't be with their in-game adjustments. So they started this contest very slow, very sluggish, didn't look primed, didn't look poised. Zeke was getting locked up. He was pretty much locked up on the ground all day. They had to switch it over to the pass game once again. And Dak Prescott impressed me once again today. He, was, he wasn't lights out, but he was pretty close. He was 444 yards and another three touchdowns today. He was finding Michael Gallup and Randall Cobb today all over the field. So we recommended the start of Randall Cobb on our potential big day players simply because the injury of Amari Cooper. He is dealing with knee and ankle issues, and it was it was inevitable in our eyes that the 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 game plan and the play calls were going to be directed more toward Gallup and Cobb simply because it was the Lions. The defense hasn't the defense of the Lions hasn't been playing well enough. So it's almost like it was a freebie contest. Why not you know, limit the target share to Amari Cooper, use the other guys because we should win this contest anyway. And that's pretty much what happened as the game wore on. The Cowboys ended up winning 35-27. to The score isn't indicative of what actually transpired because the Lions got a late touchdown to make it look a little bit better. But the Cowboys really dominated in this second half. I mean, or I want to even say going back to that second quarter, they, they, they adjusted very early. And this is something we haven't seen from the Jason Garrett era. They tend to stick to the same system for far too long, and then it's too difficult for them to climb back out of their, out of their hole. I really was impressed. And that's a, that's a big highlight to a team that still has – Super Bowl aspirations. I mean, the Cowboys are still in the conversation, but quiet. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be very quiet on the Cowboys. They still have a lot to figure out. They need to start firing on defense a lot more than what they're doing because against a high-octane offense, you're definitely going to struggle. But I did like what I saw from Randall Cobb. This is what I've been saying from the beginning of the season. When Randall Cobb was signed to the club – he was my dark horse sleeper for fantasy football because I knew this is something this offense didn't necessarily have. I mean, you had Cole Beasley, but he is not in the same category of athleticism as Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb can make those mismatches over the middle of the field, bringing those safeties in, making those linebackers pinch back. And then you have open one-on-one coverage to your outside receivers. This is what I was expecting. And finally, over the last two weeks, we're starting to see it come to fruition. So so I really like what I'm seeing in that respect for the Cowboys. But again, the defense needs to shore things up. They get the win. Most importantly, they, they take the lead in the division once again as the Eagles took a sidestep. We'll get to that contest later. But, I mean, the Cowboys, man, I don't mind this club. I With Dak Prescott improving his passing ability – the run game will eventually be there with Zeke. So, I mean, you want to be as balanced and as multidimensional as you can possibly be. And right now, the Cowboys are moving in the appropriate direction. I like what I see from the Dallas Cowboys right now.
Next game on the board, we'll move right along. The Jacksonville Jaguars travel to Indianapolis to face the Colts. The return of Nick Foles, it had a lot of curiosity over here at ADF because I really didn't know what to expect from Nick Foles. He's been out since he was injured. He just got back off IR. Gardner Minshew has done an admirable job of, of leading this team to still be in the playoff hunt. And they turned the, the keys over to Nick Foles. So Foles on paper, his game looks positive. But when you go back and, and you review what had happened in the contest, it was not as glorious as the paper suggests. I mean, they were struggling on offense. But one thing that I think led to that problem as well, because they were still in this game early. I mean, at halftime, it was 10-7 to for the Colts. So I really, really struggled to understand why Jacksonville didn't change up what they were doing. It was almost like they wanted to see what Nick Foles could do. Why would you put the man in this situation? And if you understand what I'm talking about, it's Leonard Fournette only saw the ball eight times from the backfield. Eight carries for 23 yards. I really didn't like that aspect of this game. Yes, okay, there was it was tough sledding on those eight carries. He had a hard time finding holes, and there was there was no room for him to run even outside. But stick with it. You were still in this game. And every time you went three and out, every time your drive got stalled, you made your defense gassed as this game wore on. I mean, let's not get it twisted. This is exactly what happened. Your defense is no longer, and I'm going to say it now because I was saying that I still believe the Jaguars' defense still had elite-level characteristics. They weren't necessarily elite. Obviously, Jalen Ramsey's no longer there, but... But when you look at it, I mean, the defense was on the field for 33 minutes today, and you were still in this contest going into halftime. I really didn't, I couldn't comprehend why Coach Doug Marone wasn't running the ball and wasn't changing it with his offensive coordinator. This is something you needed to do. You you needed to control the clock. I mean, Jacoby Brissett comes back into this contest from his own injury. He wasn't spectacular today. He was only 148 and one touchdown. And an interception. He wasn't great. But, I mean, the game plan, C was solid from the Colts because they stuck to their ground game. Marlon Mack was over 100 yards. Williams, Jonathan Williams was over 100 yards. And, I mean, this is what you needed to do. The pass game wasn't there for the Colts all day, basically, until the end. I did not like this whatsoever from the Jaguars. I think it was mismanagement, miscoaching big time. And, and I'm going to chalk this one up as a loss on the coaching staff. It, 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 you know, I want to say maybe 70% coaching staff and, and 30% on Nick Foles. But, I mean, Foles, he didn't look terrible as the game wore on. He did get garbage time stats. But it wasn't great for his first showing back. And the Colts take the win in an important divisional contest. I mean, they remain first and the Jags drop to fourth. So it was a huge loss for the Jaguars. Big missed opportunity. That game didn't really have a lot of flash in it. So, I mean, outside of what we already discussed, I mean, there's nothing really more to see there. So we'll just move right along. Next next one on the board, we got the Buffalo Bills travel to Florida to Miami to face the Dolphins. So this contest was very intriguing to me only because we have been saying it for the entire season when we discussed the Buffalo Bills. 
the Bills need to take these types of contests against a weaker opponent and showcase their ability. Let loose, let Josh Allen do and show and make some mistakes, but at least attempt to open and expand the playbook. Finally, we got to see this today. Josh Allen was fantastic today. He didn't have any mistakes, none, no fumbles, no interceptions. He protected the ball well. He threw the ball very well. He found John Brown all over the field. If you missed this one, it was an all-day event. John Brown was nine catches, 137 yards, and two touchdowns. Josh Allen was extremely accurate, extremely efficient. I he, he missed some throws, I mean, but that's to be expected. He does overthrow, overshoot his receivers. But from the whole standpoint of what you wanted to see from this contest, the Bills put up 37 today. This is exactly what you want to see. And we've been hoping to see this previously against weaker competition. We didn't like how they played against the Browns last week. But, I mean, this is what you needed to get back on track. This was a very important contest for Buffalo, not only because you're keeping pace in that wild card, but you need to start building that confidence that you are a club that can be taken for real. The defense still has its lapses, and you're going to see it because they still require some more talent on that defense. They need their dire need of some edge rushing help. I mean, you're getting a lot of your pressure right up the middle. But, I mean, even with that said, you had seven sacks on Ryan Fitzpatrick today. That was a massive, massive improvement. The pressure from the interior was the story, and it allowed your linebackers and it allowed Jerry Hughes to get off the edge and find, find Fitzpatrick today. I mean, he was under duress for most of this contest, but I still didn't like how they couldn't tighten up when they needed to. So the focus was clear that they wanted to stop the run, and they did. I mean, they gave up basically nothing in the run game. Balage had nine, Grant had seven, Lard had seven, and that's it. That's your day on the ground. You had less than, what, 30 yards on the ground? That's impressive for a team who has been extremely terrible in stopping the run. But see, this is the problem. If you want to become an elite unit, you need to find out how to do both to keep things in check. I mean, you don't have to shut everything down to be elite. Cause those turnovers, get those sacks. And this is what they were doing today. It was a good day, good showing in that respect cuz putting putting Fitzpatrick on the ground 7 times is is a large achievement. Let's not get that twisted. But the story, I mean, Devin Singletary, the rookie, he ran extremely well again today. They gave him the lead dog role. He carried the ball 15 times. I mean, Frank Gore carried it 11. I would have liked to have seen Singletary hit that 20 carry mark today, but 15 was enough to see what he can do. And again, what does he do? He gives you five points, uh, 5.0 yards per carry. I liked it. I like what this kid can do. I wasn't a naysayer on him, but I wanted to see a lot more. I I want to see in these last whatever five, six weeks, I want to see a more of a commitment to Singletary and getting him the ball in both the run and the pass because he can catch the ball and he can, he can expose teams. So, I really liked what I saw today from the Buffalo from the Buffalo Bills. I mean, granted, it is the Miami Dolphins, so let's not get overly excited. But this is what you want to see, progression. You want to see them beat the teams up that they should be beating up. And this is what they did today. Josh Allen was good. I like it. Next week will be interesting. I believe they fit, the Bills face the Denver Broncos. 
it'll be interesting to see what they can do against an elite defensive unit as well. So speaking of those Denver Broncos, let's move right along. The Denver Broncos take on the Minnesota Vikings in Minnesota this week. I So this contest, I have to have a big sigh, and I just did because this contest gave me fits. I tell you, it was 10.5 points on the spread from Vegas, and I took the spread simply because my rationale was they're playing at home, they want to go into the bye on a winning note, and it's the Denver Broncos with Brandon Allen. Yes, I know the Denver defense still houses top-end talent, but they can't stop the run. Dalvin Cook should have been able to expose that. Kirk Cousins has played extremely well this season. I, 10, 10 and a half points was an easy, easy spread, easy call for me, and it just did not happen. I could not believe my eyes for what I was seeing. It was 20 to nothing before you even knew it. For the Broncos. Not the Vikings, for the Broncos. Brandon Allen was able to do whatever the heck he wanted in that first half. It was actually quite incredible. So one of the points I believe the announcer made was that for Minnesota to come into this contest, they're at home, they're comfortable, they're playing a 3-6 and six club coming into this game. They just took it for granted. They didn't care to prepare like this was a game that they would lose. And it was a great point because I didn't even think of that when I was writing my point spread article. And I should have because I totally didn't even think of that. You think that a team would have enough gumption to say, we're going to blow this team out and go into the bye week riding high. And they didn't to start. So here's the thing about the Minnesota Vikings in this contest. Their second half, they came into that second half. And much like we were talking about the Cowboys adjustments, we have to highlight and applaud the adjustments made by the Minnesota Vikings into that second half. It was absolutely incredible. They only gave up three points in that second half, and they scored 27. They won this contest 27-23 on the back of Kirk Cousins. The run game just wasn't there today. Dalvin Cook, he struggled to find room. He struggled to make anything happen. This is the worst performance we've seen of him all year. 11 carries, 26 yards, 2.4 per carry. It just wasn't there. And that's kind of surprising because that has been the major issue for the Broncos this season was giving up big runs and big games. Kirk Cousins, on the other hand, how can anybody not like this man? So here's the thing. We go back. If you listen to our show, you understand how we've been preaching Kirk Cousins. It's simply because I feel he doesn't get enough credit for what he does well. And what he has improved upon this season has been that ability to elevate his game to that next level to be quote-unquote clutch. Is he clutch yet? I'm still not convinced. I want to see it more late in the game, but this was a damn good start. You're down 20 points, and the Kirk Cousins of the past would have folded through more interceptions than touchdowns, and it would have been a wrap before you even knew it. Kirk Cousins, by himself, led this team in the pass game because the run game just wasn't there, and he led his team to a victory. This is a massive win for the Minnesota Vikings. They will go into their bye holding their heads extremely high, and they are going to feel confident. The confidence is only going to continue to grow. 
I had Stefan Diggs on my sit list this week simply because he was going to be shadowed by Chris Harris. And for the most part, it was looking great. I apologize to those who took that advice because Diggs went off in that second half. A huge deep shot, 54 yards, and his day ended with five catches, 121, and a touchdown. Either way, I was so impressed. This is what you want to see from an offense that runs the ball as well as they do. Can you win through the pass game when the run isn't there? You have to be able to find that extra gear if you are a legit contender. I'm convinced with this offense. However, I am not convinced with their defense. I'm actually rather disappointed with how this defense plays. Simply, I want to even highlight Xavier Rhodes. He has fallen from elite grace like I have never seen from a defensive back. He was two years ago, even last year he had his moments, but I mean the fall off began last year about the second half. Two years ago, Xavier Rhodes was locking down the likes of Julio Jones and Michael Thomas to nothing. And now he's being exposed on a weekly basis. Very difficult to watch because I am a big fan of his. But this defense as a whole, like I said, they did adjust in that second half. But I really didn't like the overall game from this defense. You have a player like Brandon Allen. Granted, he's shown pretty well. I liked what I saw. He's shown shown very well. But, I mean, he is a backup quarterback who's trying to make a name for himself, and your pressure isn't even on the mat. The Vikings stifled the run game, which was good, but they have a ton to clean up on that defensive back end. A ton. Didn't like it. However, they win. That's all that matters. Ugly wins count, too. For the defense, at least, the offense was extremely pretty in that second half. Huge win. Liked it a lot. But we'll move right along. So the next contest we have is the New Orleans Saints traveling to Tampa Bay. This one to me was going to be a no contest simply because Sean Payton and Drew Brees have that much integrity that they will never allow a beatdown to be consistent. They took one on the chin to the Falcons last week. And you knew, I knew coming into this game they were just going to be lights out, and they were. This was all New Orleans for majority of this contest till till maybe late in the third quarter. But this was all Drew Brees. This was all Michael Thomas. It was fantastic offensively. This is what I wanted to see. Alvin Kamara, man, he got back in the pass game. This was vintage Sean Payton game plan and game calling. This was perfect. It was establish the run to some level and Drew Brees just start picking them apart through the air. No Marcus Lattimore. I really thought that Mike Evans would have been a bigger player today simply because Lattimore wasn't in the contest. It just didn't really happen. I mean, again, here we go. What's the story that we've been saying about Jameis Winston and why we believe he will be a free agent next year? And it's the turnovers. I mean, how can you how can you kid yourself anymore? He threw four interceptions again today. This is what he does. He also he also fumbled the ball, but he recovered that. But this is what Jameis Winston's pedigree has been throughout his entire career in Tampa. He cannot secure the ball. He, can, he is very careless with the ball. Does he have a good arm? Does he put up the statistics? Does he put up the yards? Of course he does. 
but he gives the games away with his his turnovers. That was the key in this contest. They had times where they looked like they were driving, but the Saints' defense is for real. This is what this is what we've been saying about the New Orleans Saints. So outside of the Baltimore Ravens, I'm I'm still putting the Saints up there as one of the better teams as well. They have the full package. I mean, yes, is it an easy evaluation to say two of the top teams with the top records are the best teams? Yeah, you know, blah, blah, blah. Of course it is. It's an easy evaluation, but it's the right one. The, the Baltimore Ravens are just extremely impressive on both sides of the ball, just are the New Orleans Saints. The Saints are great on both sides of the ball. So outside of the statistics, I mean, for fantasy football, there wasn't a whole heck of a lot. Breeze comes back. 228 and three touchdowns. He was great. Alvin Kamara, he goes off today in the pass game. He got 10 receptions for 47, added another 75 on the ground. And Michael Thomas, Mr. Glue Hands, he just continues to do what he does. He is on pace to break Marvin Harrison's longtime reception record. I believe it's like 145 receptions by Marvin Harrison. He's on, on pace to catch like 153. This is incredible what Michael Thomas is able to do. He is the quiet superstar that nobody likes to talk about outside of people that watch the Saints and know the Saints and play fantasy football. Outside of that, Michael Thomas is very underrated in the superstar category. He is fantastic. Anyway, Saints win. Saints get it done. We fully expected it to happen. It did. Moving right along. The New York Jets and the Washington Redskins. So, I mean, outside of this, this game doesn't have anything really to do with the standings. The Jets are 3-7 and seven now with this victory, winning 34-17. to 17. The Redskins are 1-9. and nine. Dwayne Haskins is your starter in Washington. Didn't expect a whole heck of a lot. I mean, the Redskins are in turmoil. They can't do anything on both sides of the ball. But one aspect I was looking and very intrigued upon was the return of Darius Geis. I have been waiting patiently like most of you have for the return of this man as he this is basically the first real live game action we've seen since the start of the season he was even taken out of that contest early with that knee and I mean he was lost in his entire rookie season so I was excited to see what he can do in the first half he was basically not used at all Adrian Peterson took the bulk of the work But Geis showed some flash. He got a reception out of the backfield, and he showed his wheels. It was a 45-yard reception, and he found the end zone. This is what I was looking for. This is what I wanted to see. I mean, as for Dwayne Haskins, I mean, he is – I really feel for the man because I think he's put in a very horrible situation on this club. You know, there's not many weapons. There's not much talent. Your offensive line is in shambles as well. And the care level is let's just end the season, right? So for the future prospects, I it's it's very difficult for me to say that you're just going to one and done Dwayne Haskins. But, I mean, if you're holding a top-end draft pick, you could be searching for a QB. But, again, now we saw that – Alabama's Tua, he he hurt his hip. So, I mean, does that change things when we come to draft time? We'll see. But, but I mean, as for this contest, the Jets, man, the Jets came out to play today. 
I took them on the spread. It was a tight one. I believe it was one and a half favoring the Redskins simply because they were playing at home. I didn't like it. I took the Jets to win, to win out, and this is what they did. I mean, Sam Darnold threw four touchdown passes. He spread the ball around to his receivers. It was actually quite refreshing to see Coach Adam Gase appropriately call a sound offensive game plan. It was it was a good game plan from the first whistle to the last. It was a good one. I am still a little bit disappointed in what I'm seeing with Le'Veon Bell. Age Has age gotten to this man because he does not look as explosive as he did? I mean, his yards per carry again was 3.3. Nothing really to write home about whatsoever. He's not being utilized in the pass game like he was in Pittsburgh. He only caught the ball two times today. But, I mean, revenge game. We had Jamison Crowder coming back to Washington. I fully expected this to be an explosion as well. just didn't happen. Coach Gase was spreading the ball around. Sam Darnold was spreading the ball around. And the Jets completely dominated. So, I mean, outside of fantasy football, if we highlight the fantasy getters today, Ryan Griffin, their tight end, he had a day. Five receptions, 109, one touchdown. We had him on our waiver pickup, I believe, two weeks ago. Hopefully you got him on that one. Crowder had a decent day. And then Lev, I mean, he found the end zone. Darnold had four touchdowns, almost 300 yards. When it comes to the Redskins, I mean, there wasn't much there. I I really was hoping that Terry McLaurin would have been able to find some room. But again, Dwayne Haskins just doesn't have the time to throw the ball. And when he does, these passes are so inaccurate. I saw one right over the middle to their slot receiver, Quinn. It was so far behind the man where he was galloping free wide open over the middle. And it could have been at minimum a 20-yard gain. And he just overshot him and threw it behind him. So, I mean, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this contest. It was it was two bottom feeders trying to show what they can do in preparation for next season already because that's let's not kid ourselves. That's where that one's going. Jets win. Jets take them down. So let's move right along. This contest, next one on the board, is one that I was extremely excited to view. It was the Arizona Cardinals taking on the San Francisco 49ers in San Fran. So... Two weeks ago, the Arizona Cardinals were playing at home to the San Francisco 49ers on Halloween night. They showed me, the Cardinals I'm speaking of, they showed me a whole heck of a lot offensively against a very strong 49ers defense. Kyler Murray, you know this already, he is my guy. I love this kid. I think he's got talent for days. He elevates everybody around him. And this is what you desperately want from your quarterback. He, Kyler Murray is the answer here in Arizona. And let's also credit head coach uh, Cliff Kingsbury. He has been increasing the playbook as the season is wearing on. And it's clear. There are so many different looks every single week when you watch this team offensively. It is so impressive. It is so exciting. Kyler Murray, again, he was on fire. Yes, his stats through the air weren't spectacular, but he was making plays on the ground. And when he was hitting his receivers, he is so sharp and poised. It is awesome to see. You just need to see it all come together. The Arizona Cardinals simply don't have the full-end talent just yet, but at least you have 
the pieces that you really desperately require to be that team, now they can just start building around. I really, truly believe this. This game was so exciting to watch because it it literally came down to the wire. The score is 36-26, but that's worse than what it was. The 49ers basically won this game by three points if it wasn't for that defensive touchdown late last second as, as the Cardinals basically were trying their one last shot. But, I mean, they were leading. The Cardinals were leading by three points with under a minute to go, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it was like 31 seconds to go where Jeff Wilson took a pass from Jimmy Garoppolo to put the 49ers back in the lead. This game was was fun to watch. We had Debo Samuel on our start list simply because we knew Emmanuel Sanders was playing hurt. He had the hip. He only had three for 33. He, you knew he was going to be a non-factor. So if you played Sanders, it's a big, big mistake on your part. We said play Debo. We hit that one right on the head. He took the target share. He had 10 targets today, eight receptions, 134 yards. He was your workhorse. But, I mean, I was very disappointed in the usage of the run game. Tevin Coleman and Mostert, they didn't get going whatsoever. Coleman was locked down today. So this was the game plan for the Cardinals as they tried to stack the box and 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 to force Jimmy Garoppolo to throw to a depleted receiving core. So when people want to review this contest, and if if the Cardinals would have won, the narrative would have been, are the 49ers for real? You still have to understand they are playing without George Kittle. It is their He is their best offensive weapon. He does so many things for this offense that people don't even realize. And then with Emmanuel Sanders playing at less than 50% with that injured uh, injured ribs, I believe it was, I mean, this takes away from what you can do in the run game as well. So now when they took away the run game, this is kind of the same notion and the same mantra we were talking about Kirk Cousins. Could Kirk Cousins do it? Could Jimmy Garoppolo do it? Jimmy Garoppolo, he impressed me. I mean, he threw two bad picks again today. I mean, this is still part of his game that he's going to have to iron out. But, I mean, he's still what? He has, what, 20 starts in his career? Just over 20 starts? I'd have to look that number up. But, I mean, he's still uh, uh, maturing as a starting quarterback where they're going to throw different looks at him week in, week out. And he still showed a lot today. I mean, he was over 400 yards and four touchdown passes and leading the team back in the last second on a drive to win the contest. Yeah, okay, it's 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 versus the Cardinals who have a weaker secondary, weaker defense, but that to me is impressive for a team that is looking to be a top contender. I really, really was impressed with how Garoppolo was so poised and precise to make that happen on that final drive. The Niners are for real. I mean, we can't kid ourselves anymore. This defense does have some laps. I mean, and it's going to happen against teams that are built to beat them. And the Cardinals are specifically built that way as well. They can continue to compete with this team. And as the Seahawks showed, they are there are places where you can expose them. So, I mean, the, the 49ers are definitely not a finished product on this roster. They could definitely add. But I really liked what I saw from Jimmy Garoppolo. He brought this team back, and that's what you're looking for. You want your quarterback to be the guy that you're going to put the game on the line on his back, and and hopefully you'll get the win. Really enjoyed the contest. If you missed it, definitely go back and catch the replay. Definitely worth the watch. 
So another contest, like we said, I mean, it wasn't overly exciting. Um, the Cincinnati Bengals taking on the Oakland Raiders. So this one was in Oakland, spread or closed at about 11 points. I did not see this happening. Vegas was baiting the public to take the 11 points. I did not because simply it's not that the Cincinnati Bengals are good. It's that the Oakland Raiders are not good enough to cover that big of a spread, even on the, one of the league worst. And, I mean, it happened today. I mean, Ryan Finley, he was the starting quarterback. I mean, he's nothing special. He's learning. He's, he's, a, he's a young guy. But Joe Mixon impressed me the week before in how he was able to run the ball. And, yes, we do like what we have been seeing from the Oakland Raiders defense, but you have to remember they're now without Carl Joseph. That is a massive hit to that back end. He had done a lot of things in the run support that really elevated this Raiders defense. Without him there, again, Mixon goes for 86, and he finds the end zone. Outside of that, I mean, the Cincinnati Bengals offense wasn't there. I mean, not surprisingly, right? But when you look at the Oakland Raiders Josh Jacobs, again, he is your guy. He is your workhorse. This game could have been out of hand a lot more than what it was if it wasn't for his fumble, which led to the Bengals' uh, early touchdown. But Jacobs still, he was over 100 yards, 23 carries. This is what you want him to do. Derek Carr was supremely efficient. He he only missed, what, four passes today. I mean, one of those was an interception, which, again, could have inflated this score. But this is why we did not take this spread. The Oakland Raiders are just not there yet. They're not at a 11 11 point spread covering team at this at this point of the season. Are they still alive in this playoff hunt? They definitely are. They are 6 and 4 second in the AFC West and they're definitely alive. Do I believe that they will edge out a wild card? I doubt it because there are teams that are are, are vastly better than them. But when you look at what we say about teams that are good, looking to be great is when you play lesser opponents, what can you see on the field? This is what we wanted to see. So, I mean, they didn't pass the eye test, but they got the win. I mean, that's basically all you're hoping for. Outside of those players' names, I mean, the game was quite dull. There was nothing really exciting to speak of. And, and I mean, that's pretty much it for that one. I, I can't really speak uh, intelligently anymore on that contest for what it was. I mean, it was a lower rating game and and that's what we got from it so so we'll move right along the next one we have the new england patriots traveling to philadelphia to take on the eagles so i really i really struggled early this week when i was evaluating both these teams only because of both clubs were coming off of the bye week the new england patriots were were blasted by the baltimore ravens the Philadelphia Eagles are having grave issues at the receiving uh, with their receiving core. No Alshon Jeffrey. Djax has already been on the IR for how long? Has only played one game. You have issues. Jordan Howard wasn't playing in this game. They signed Jay Ajayi, and it was like, okay, he's not really going to see action because you have Miles Sanders. But I really didn't know. I mean, we had Carson Wentz on our sit list. We just didn't believe it. You, you've you seen the struggles with the Eagles and this offense, and it was paramount and clear today that they just couldn't get it done. The New England Patriots defense has been somewhat figured out to the extent that Carson Wentz was able to move the ball every now and then. But, I mean, his game wasn't great either. I mean, this game, this game in general wasn't very entertaining. It was a slugfest. It was defensive. 
I mean, Tom Brady looked awful today. Let's not kid ourselves. He was off target. He was under pressure. The Patriots couldn't get many drives going. Uh, I tuned in and tuned out many times in this contest. It was very difficult to watch. I mean, time of possession was basically the same. Turnovers was your problem. I mean, for the for the Eagles, they had a fumble. They had an interception. But, I mean, it didn't really help Tom Brady in this offense. I mean, your biggest play in this contest was Julian Edelman throwing the touchdown pass to uh, Philip Dorsett. I mean, it was on like a flea flicker pass back to from Brady to Edelman. I mean, it was a nice play call. And this is what, what, what Coach McDaniels can do for you. He'll dial up these, these magic plays when your offense just is struggling. Do we take it as a bye week rust week? Maybe. Maybe. But I really expected the, the Patriots to, to do a lot better. But, I mean, it looks to me like the Baltimore Ravens gave the rest of the league a blueprint on how to – definitely stifle this new england offense it, it it looks really bad right now and they're gonna need a whole heck of a lot to improve as for the eagles this was a massive loss for them in the standings the dallas cowboys now will leapfrog you you are five and five cowboys are six and four this is still anybody's division when it comes to those two teams and i mean both these clubs face each other in week 16 so how big do you think that contest is gonna be massive massive contest for those two clubs it will it could end up deciding who's going to win this division as for the new england patriots their defense still carrying this club this is their this is what they do their defense is still solid they were locking down everything they had a couple lapses couple penalties again some uncharacteristic mistakes by that by the patriots that over the last two weeks or two games that we saw and I'm sure that Bill Belichick is going to clean that up. I mean, these are the dog days, the tough days of the season as we're we're right in the thick of it. So Patriots still get the victory. They're still top dogs in the AFC, but I really believe that they are beatable at this point. If you can run the ball well on this defense, I mean, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens proved it. You run the ball well, you can move the ball, and if you can take away the middle of the field from Tom Brady, he's going to really struggle to find his his open man. So it's very interesting to see some of the top teams coming into the season starting to struggle a little bit. And that's kind of what happened in this contest with both these teams. So let's move right along to other teams that are struggling, the Chicago Bears and the L.A. Rams. So this is the Sunday nighter that just finished up. And I was bored out of my tree. This game really didn't have anything spectacular anything credible to warrant a high level evaluation and review the rams are clearly broken jared goff is a shell of his former self let's not kid ourselves his game was horrific 11 for 18 for 173 in interception he is missing his receivers all over the field I mean, granted, Robert Woods was a late inactive, hurt a lot of people in the fantasy football community, including myself, because I missed that one. But, I mean, they ran Todd Gurley. So Gurley started off the game with a fumble. Didn't look good on his part, but they continued. Credit to Coach Sean McVay. He continued to feed his men. 25 carries for 97 yards, and he found the end zone. But, I mean, outside of that, the pass game is struggling. This defense was the only thing keeping them alive until late in the contest where uh, 
I mean, they were able to strike on the ground and find the end zone again. Sealed the deal. But, I mean, when you look at it from both perspectives, this game, it, it wasn't a good contest. And when you look at the Chicago Bears, Mitchell Trubisky was finally benched in this contest. They came out and said that it was a hip issue. But, I mean, when you see Coach Nagy discussing with Mitchell Trubisky on the sidelines late in the game with the clipboard covering both their faces so you can't see what they're saying, it's clear he's frustrated with this, the level of play that Trubisky is putting on the field. He is not moving this offense. He is highly inaccurate. He can't get things done. I mean, what else can you do at this point? This team was a high go-getter last season, and he has regressed to levels that are unfathomable. Mitchell Trubisky deserves to ride that pine. He needs to figure his game out before you can even think about putting him back into any more. His game was awful. I mean, he had the one play to Tariq Cohen. Outside of that, it's very difficult to watch this Chicago Bears offense. Let's not kid ourselves. And you feel bad. You feel bad for the the Bears' defense because they're just withering away. They keep on playing a multitude of minutes each and every week, and they're exhausted. I mean, what else can you say? They're tired. But, I mean, the Bears as a whole, their season is in dire straits, and at this point I cannot endorse anything to suggest that they will be a playoff team. There's no way. This team has a lot of things to figure out. And as for the Rams, yes, they got the win. They're climbing back to 6-4. and four, But you're in a division with the 49ers and the Seattle Seahawks who are just rolling. You are on the verge of missing the postseason yourself. Are we seriously to consider having three teams come out of this division to go into the playoffs? It's possible. I won't say no. I can't say never. But I mean... It's not looking good. They have a lot of things to clean up. Brandon Cooks is in in concussion protocol. Your deep threat is gone. Cooper Cup obviously is proving that he cannot be that number one receiver without support. Robert Woods wasn't there. And again, Cooper Cup is basically bottled up. Cooper Cup, that's not his game. He is your secondary receiver with, with number one wide receiver statistics. This is what he does. But... Still lots of season to go for the Rams. We'll still give them faith. They went to the Super Bowl on what they do. That defense is still strong. So we'll see. You know, I won't I won't write them off just yet, but that's that's the end of the games uh for Sunday. So let's jump into the Monday nighter in Mexico City, the Kansas City Chiefs and the LA Chargers. So a very important contest for both clubs, but I want to say more so for the Kansas City Chiefs. Sitting at 6-4, and four, definitely not looking like the high-octane, high-power unit that we have expected since Mahomes has, has been in the league and Andy Reid has, has orchestrated this offense to be one of the best in the NFL. This game against the Chargers, Chargers are on life support. Let's Let's make that clear. They, they dropped a, a very winnable game against the Oakland Raiders last week. And I just don't see how they plan to attack this, this offense of the, the Chiefs. So here's the other thing. The Chiefs' defense is not a sound group. So do I believe that the Chargers will be able to move the ball? Yes. I truly believe that Melvin Gordon will be able to run free. Phillip Rivers may have a mistake or two, which might cost them the game, but he'll 
surely be able to find his receivers, Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, and company. They should be able to feast. This defense, if they don't pressure the quarterback, they will be picked apart. I mean, that is the the what you see when you review their film. If they're sitting back playing zone, playing man, no pressure, they will just be picked apart. They're not good enough to stand for the long haul. If they bring the heat, I mean, it's do or die. If you miss it, I mean, they can expose you as well on those blitzes. But when it comes to what the Chiefs have to do, Patrick Mahomes, he's he's been fantastic. You want you? I have no question that you're going to see a show lights out in Mexico for the viewing public there. They're going to be treated to a, a very, very nice contest offensively from Mahomes. But, I mean, the spread, I believe, is four and a half points. I took the Chiefs. I can't see anything happening where the Chargers could convince me that they're going to even compete to win this game. So it should be entertaining at least. I don't see it to be much going into the fourth. But, I mean, this is why we play the games. But I'm putting all my money on the Chiefs. I'm putting my money on Mahomes. Looks like Damian Williams is back as the top back in the in the in this offense. Shady McCoy is taking a back seat. But we'll see. I mean, there's a lot of negatives to go around on both rosters, but I like what I see from Mahomes, and I'm betting on Magic Man to show it again. So as for that, thanks for tuning in. Really appreciate you as always. You can find me on Twitter at Chris underscore ADF1. You can find the show on Twitter at ADF Underground. We are on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Thank you for tuning in. Really appreciate it. Until next week, the thing keeps moving. The season keeps rolling. Fantasy football playoffs are nearing. So on that note, stay humble, stay peaceful, take care of each other. I'm out. Thank you.